0: Hi guys, and Happy New Year. Welcome to this year's first episode of Sandhill Road, the show where I talk to successful startup founders and their investors about the companies that they built and invest in. And the goal, like always, is to give you a sense of what it's like to be in their shoes how their businesses tick, to learn from their many successes and mistakes along the way, get an understanding of how they got to where they are today. And today, I'm super excited to be joined by an absolute pioneer of what we now know as the gig economy. If we think about the early companies of the modern gig economy, there are really three companies that come to mind, Airbnb, Uber, and TaskRabbit. And that's why I'm so excited to be joined by the technical co-founder of TaskRabbit, Brian Leonhardt today. Thanks for having me. Together with Leah Busky, he built TaskRabbit from a brilliant really small niche marketplace into a huge platform used by millions of people. TaskRabbit
1: is an online marketplace where people can go to outsource small jobs and tasks to others in their neighborhood. So if you need dry cleaning picked up, your groceries delivered, you can post the job on TaskRabbit, name the price you're willing to pay, and we have hundreds of background checked neighborhood TaskRabbits ready to go.
0: The company was acquired in 2017 by IKEA, where Brian, to this day, leads tech. In this session, we will talk about the very early days of TaskRabbit.
1: And they build the app. You're going to need an app. That's the future.
0: What it was like to start from this small website to scale this into a multi-million-dollar business. And we'll talk about the operational and technical challenges along the way. So the code works, it's just the people that are the problem. And we'll find out more about Brian himself, how this, this journey shaped him as a person, and what he's up to today. But I would say let's let's hear it from Brian himself and let's jump right in. I'm super excited to have with me here today Brian Leonard, the technical co-founder of Taskrabbit. Welcome Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we jump into TaskRabbit and what it was like to to build and scale this company, I want to learn a little bit more about the early pre-founder Brian. So you (laughs) graduated with a degree in computer science in 2003 and then worked for five years at IBM where you met your co-founder Leah. At any point in time, if I had met you, let's say in 2003 or 2007, would I have been able to predict this great um, founder <laughs> journey of yours? Or at what point in time did you catch the entrepreneurial bug? I think uh, it would have been very hard to predict
1: at any point uh, what what we would have done. Uh, but from very early age, I always figured that I would... Uh, Sometime before 30, certainly before 40, be an entrepreneur of some sort. You know, I had various versions of uh, babysitting and lawn mowing and music selling and all, all kinds of things uh, in, in, my, uh, in my childhood. Started culminating really when 2008 with the iPhone and the App Store and stuff like that. So even pre-Task Rabbit, I started making some apps and and things like that. And when Lee had this idea, it seemed uh, it seemed like a, a good
0: one. Yeah. So so take us back to these really early days. With Leah and I I remember her talking about it. You sat around the kitchen table in Boston and she told you about these hundred random strangers who she -hmm. wanted to complete all kinds of tasks, so this initial supply side of this marketplace. What was that like? Were you instantly convinced that you should go and build this app or did you call her the next day and say, well, I (laughs) think we we have a cozy corporate career here. Let's stick with it for a while. Yeah, we worked
1: together at IBM IBM is such that everyone under a certain age knows each other. There's not that many. I remember she was uh, she quit. Uh, she had this idea and she quit, and I didn't know what it was. I took her out to out to lunch and she told me the idea. and you know, still during that lunch, I was sort of in this iPhone phase that I was talking about, and I said, like, hey, let let me build the app. Cause you're gonna need an app. That's the future. Turns out uh more or less true, you know, which is good. I didn't actually build the app. We did all kinds of other things, and then eventually uh, I built the app. The kitchen table thing, I remember, You know, we talked about how the, the business model would work. So, somehow you buy points or credits or something like that, and that's how it, it started originally. The clearest memory I have of that is the fact that I stopped by her house after picking up my wife and daughter, the airport and my daughter was still in one of those like bucket seats like like you know child three month old sort of thing and you know we she was like sitting on the the table too uh while we were while we were discussing this credit system. Uh and so you know she's eleven years old now and in middle school. Uh and so you know they the company and her grew up together. I remember
0: that. So let's talk a little bit about scaling it up. And I've personally operated a very niche small marketplace and I know from that experience how hard it is to get the v1 out to get it operational uh, in front of yeah. people then to get the first um, supply and demand side inventory in and then once you have some traction it becomes really intense because you get so many requests from all kinds of people so many different profiles and I found this this quote of yours from from a Crunchbase news article where you said Thinking about starting a business again, you do a business that requires less people coordination. Um, <laughs> true enough. Talk to us a little bit about the initial technical and operational challenges. Yes, it's, it's definitely
1: true. I think mostly about this talk I used to give to engineers and product people, and it's about you. You're building the code, and you know the code mostly works. You've got this test suite; it's green, but you can't in tests when there's some erratic factor because you want to make sure it's always green, what you do is uh, you stub out that erratic factor. And like, you know, if uh, like you pretend it's exactly this time so that daylight savings time doesn't screw you up twice a year or whatever it is. In marketplaces, the erratic factor was like the humans involved and whether they show up on time and whether they, uh, you know, are supposed to clean the house every, every week, but then they have vacations or, you know, they want you to move it up to Thursday and and the whole talk was that you you can't stub out real life. So the code works, it's just the people that are the problem. And as a technical founder and a, a product leader, you know, it's more and more learning that it's not as much about the product working or modeling that real life. It's features you you build and then the flexibility you build in that it can ebb and flow as, as real life happens. As an example, we tried to build that scheduling. Weekly, bi weekly, whatever it is, cleaning. And like we end up, you know, rebuilding Google Calendar and repeating meetings and vacation schedules. And like it's just too complicated. And in the end, we ripped all that out and just said, like, these two people are in a relationship. It's going pretty well. Like, here's a button where the the tasker can build the client. Uh, So chat, here's a great chat system. Show up, hit the button. Like, end of story. And in, in that case, that was the right level to interface with the somewhat exhausting reality uh, that, that is on the ground out there.
0: Let's talk a little bit about marketplace broadness versus specificity. The mothership of all marketplaces at that time was really Craigslist. And there's mm-hmm. this, this great graph of Craigslist, yes. all the broad categories that it had, and then all the startups picking away category after category building vertical marketplaces with specific feature sets. Interestingly enough, if you look at TaskRabbit in that graph, it's associated with general labor category in Craigslist. I read this interview with one of the ex-marketing people at TaskRabbit, Jamie Miagino, and she said, while you were a very broad platform from the very early days on, you were deliberate about building a liquid marketplace for the most popular task categories, which were handyman tasks, including IKEA assembly, house cleaning and moving help. So when I think about these popular task categories today for handyman work, there's Thumbtack, then there was Homejoy for the cleaning, there's Dolly now for for the moving, then there are adjacent categories like dog walking where we have the SoftBank funded WAG. My question is, there are so many categories which TaskRabbit could have evolved into. Are you sometimes wondering what TaskRabbit could have become?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. We were in the same class and even neighbors with with the founders of of Lyft, for example. And, and like, you know, I chatted with Logan early on and about exactly how this thing was was gonna work. And there was some driving happening on ours, but you know, there was licensing and all that other stuff. And like, eh, let's not do that. And like, and he did that. And like, you know, they're they're a public company now. It's, 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 Worked out right, and, and you know we didn't super focus on on delivery. It was like you know our fifthish category. Let's call it uh, DoorDash or Postmates or something like that is uh, is all into that from from restaurants. Uh, it's also a super hard business and debatable about the you know profitability margins, and uh, which is one of those things we struggled with. But the thing that that resonates most about what Jamie said um, is actually the first part. Like we were always We have this hypothesis and dedication to the broadest market possible. Even now, the value still comes from the fact that uh, you've got something in your life that's just bugging you. It's just eating away. It's a monkey on your back. It's a loop in your brain. Real value comes from an instinct that you see something. There's a shelf sitting on the ground. And like before you even are done processing all the logistics needed to make this not a problem in your life, like you've already like kind of like tapped your pocket and you can put that in TaskRabbit. It's on its way to completion. And that has to be broad to achieve that kind of impact. The early on days was was kind of Wild West in the way that the Internet was beautiful uh, in, in, in those days and uh, Craigslist was beautiful, which is like the weirdest things possible. You could put on TaskRabbit and like they would get done. That's like a crossing the chasm kind of thing. Like the early adopters are using it, and they're figuring out all the different ways you could use it. But to get into that uh, early majority, you have we had to we found that we had to e-commerceify it a little bit, and that means like you go to a home page, and it just doesn't. It's not just an empty text box that says, "Well, what do you need?" It's like, "Well, you know," and at some point, you actually uh, have to suggest what to do to get. Into that uh, into that early majority, and so, you know, we took what was most popular and and leaned into it. But I still see it as you know pretty broad. Even household chores is like you add up like hours spent and all that. If if someone did all the household chores in Europe and in the U.S., that's like trillions of dollars of, uh, of work. And so us and Ikea, not just Furniture Assembly, but that whole life at home is something that is really great. So the last thing as they pop into my mind is that it's also really great for the taskers. Some of the most inspiring stories uh, that, that I have are about people that uh, started out, an old a lady that started cleaning houses and then realized you could make a lot more money doing handy person work or electrical work and started watching YouTube videos. And, you know, she's, she's significantly uh, changed her life because of, uh, you know, essentially being able to change an hourly rate from... 20-ish to 60-ish, uh, or 100-ish, uh, or whatever whatever her rate is
0: these days. Related question to this, I saw some of the most grotesque tasks um, that were put on TaskRabbit <laughs> in the early days, including removing a squirrel stuck in an attic, uh, fitting yes, a tuxedo indeed. to a rubber chicken, and posing <laughs> as a former high school student at, at a high school reunion. I mean, the variety must have been huge in the beginning, right? Of what people yes. put on there. It's fun, Right. And like, this is what reporters like to ask about. Like, what's the weirdest,
1: weirdest thing? Not like some, We actually have more grotesque ones. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would categorize those under weird or uh, odd. People love to ask those. You know, it's, it's this love-hate relationship because we actually want to get to that general population, most of which do not have rubber chickens that need tuxedos but all of which have a have a shelf or a TV sitting on the ground. Those are the stories we want to tell, but they're, they're certainly less quirky.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the technical stack. And so you mentioned on Quora once that uh, in 2008, you decided to go with Ruby on Rails uh, because it was basically a fresh wave compared to the... C and Java that you were using at IBM with Leah Ruby at this time enabled everything <laughs> to be done much faster. With respect to the current TaskRabbit stack, you revealed that it was basically AWS, Ruby, React, React Native, MySQL, Redis, Elasticsearch. And there's some Node.js and Python in there as well, as we see a lot of software now moving to open source software frameworks. A lot of the incumbent marketplaces open sourcing some of their frameworks and libraries as well. I remember when I built my my niche marketplace, we used the, the Airbnb calendar in our stack. If you had to build a generalizable marketplace framework today, what would be the stack you would land on? Interesting question. It's
1: all CTO's job to sort of always understand that and then make the decision sort of, I don't know, quarterly, maybe yearly, whether we should actually move to that or something like that to stay fresh. And so, you know, I've I've thought about that before. Lots of companies uh, start out in, in one language slash framework and then over time, uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, migrate to others. And so, you know, at least one large migration we did, uh, which I would still recommend in React Native and React in general and then React Native uh, specifically. You know, we had a fairly small team pre-acquisition, 12 engineers, you know, supporting a website, uh, a backend and four apps, uh, you know, two platforms, uh, iOS and Android times, two User bases, uh, tasker and client, the, the leverage added uh, by React Native, only having to to build those mobile apps uh, one time, and just in general the velocity. You know, we estimated it five times more productive than than we were before. Uh, so I continue to recommend uh, that, and we were one of the earliest ones on that. And I'm not. I don't make these jumps uh, lightly. That's like I, I jumped to Ruby, and then like no major jumps. Very like we didn't jump onto Mongo, for example. We stuck with MySQL. Like you know, we we were tried and true technology. That was the the biggest jump. the The biggest question is probably would I go with Rails and some of the things in that ecosystem again, or I think the choice would be with uh, Node.js and and something from that. And I think it's it's basically about who is involved. I still can make something faster than anything in 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 rails and there's a whole set of people that are still in that spot and, and still are, are super into that and you know that that ecosystem is is leveled off if you look at the graph difference it's also about the throughput like TaskRabbit doesn't have a major throughput problem you know everybody that's hitting our website is paying us kind of a lot of money mm-hmm. when you put that up against something like I don't know Twitter TaskRabbit continues to make this trade-off that's it's about productivity and sort of pivotability and like adaptability and, and and things like that I think I think node is a strong contender there newer projects that I've made particularly that have a lot of asynchronous work chosen uh, node and so I, I, I consider that uh, as for for people out there making, uh, one of the things I just thought about Node is, is sort of about um, there's a benefit to full stack too. You know, JavaScript on the front and the back uh, as your are hi- I think there's a hiring advantage in, in the JS space as well.
0: Thanks. And you, you mentioned on, on Quora once that you had some problem with Elasticsearch.
1: We really leaned into Elasticsearch. The problem we had, uh, taskers needed to uh, look at uh, and filter quickly all the tasks available. Just that, but also geographically. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like in this small window, sort of moving around in a map and then filtering by category or price or all these different sort of things like that. And so we, we denormalized that all of in in Elasticsearch and, and drove it from there. Um, so, and we use that for still uh, for recommending. So now if you go on the site and you said, I want uh, somebody at this address, we, we generally serve that from uh, Elasticsearch cache. A lot of use cases that we did in Elasticsearch I'm not sure about the geographical one. Maybe there's a post GIS uh, would be a good option
0: these days. Great thing about it was that it's sort of infinitely expanded and clustered in all these things. So let's talk a little bit about Brian Leonard after the IKEA acquisition. And I just learned that you are now in the process of starting your new company but let's talk a little bit about this time frame after the acquisition. I mean you were the technologist at IKEA and where everybody knew what a Billy is but very few people have heard about refactoring microservices and, and DevOps. How was it to transition from being really on the frontier of Silicon Valley tech to moving into, into this Swedish IKEA furnished um, new home? How was this transition for you? Over the last few years,
1: yeah, I think uh, I've read let's call it a hundred blog posts on various acquisitions and things over the years, and eighty plus percent of them, like they basically don't work out. So far, so good with TaskRabbit and IKEA, and I attribute that to a couple things. Um, one, IKEA and TaskRabbit have very aligned uh, values; they're basically the same. Once you throw in sort of translational Swedish English. Uh, sort of things. Ta- uh, TaskRabbit says uh, we're making better everyday lives for, for everyday people on both sides of marketplaces. And t- and uh, Ikea says a better life for the many people, which is very Swedish and beautiful in, in, in their own way. Um, and those highly aligned and better life at home is another thing that Ikea says. And they they really do mean just better life at home, not selling more furniture. I I can't even believe, uh, so TaskRabbit, you know, does plenty of IKEA assemblies, and we've optimized that a little bit as part of a partnership we did pre-acquisition. And, you know, but then also we have a marketplace that does all kinds of other stuff. And so IKEA says like, you know, we want to launch TaskRabbit everywhere IKEA is, which is kind of a lot of places, you know, 30-ish countries. And I said, okay, well, the fastest way to do that is to only launch the IKEA piece. We got new board members as part of the acquisition. And one of the Swedish guys on that says, like, but is that truly making a better life at home for the many people? Don't they have cleaning and other things to do? And I'm like... I couldn't even imagine in that moment this world where this guy is talking me down from my own mission that I've been working on for 10 years. Like he's he's like, "You know, you really should stick to what you want to do." And I'm like, "Well, this is this is amazing." He's pushing me to achieve something that is not directly in IKEA's like furniture revenue thing, but a general sense of creating easier lives for people. And, you know, I attribute most of the, the success to that. Now IKEA is going through their own, just to get closer to your question, IKEA is going through their own transformation from a door based, uh, one of the things they say is a, in the potato fields. Like we buy land in the potato fields and we put this big blue box and then people come, it's like an event, we serve lunch and meatballs and like they buy stuff and then they go home. You know, they're going through several different transformations right now, one, digital, uh, more and more being sold in the app and, and online uh, in general and in, in their company. Another one, they're doing lots of interesting experiments in the city center. They've got stores in the center of Madrid and, and Paris and, and London. The third one is just sort of the corporate culture itself around these things that is necessary, like insourcing more things, more development. They're hiring thousands and thousands of engineers. Had the opportunity to preach the Silicon Valley gospel a few times uh, around agile methodologies and APIs and uh,
0: iterations and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, Sweden is actually, in, in Europe, it's the country with the most unicorns. Let's move on to the, to the last point I wanted to mention, side projects. And I always say mm. you can tell a good entrepreneur by the number of domains he's got registered <laughs> on, on GoDaddy and uh, every entrepreneur has a side project and then the side project has another side project to it until he's he's stuck in yeah. court with with, um, with the market somewhere and then i looked at your linkedin yeah. profile and i saw that you had two side projects there um there's wonderland development and then there's the cakewalk app how do sure. you think about side projects and and why it is important to sort of keep your creative juices going as an entrepreneur
1: yeah, there's, there's another class. The most common case is never launch. Uh, it's a completeness thing. If you're doing something for fun, one of the challenges is if it's not fun anymore, do you keep, like that last 20% is, a, you know, it's like the 80-20. It takes just as much time as the first 80%, if not more. You know, and the other is sort of just like open source uh, uh, sort of things I've, I've released over, the, over time that I've really enjoyed doing side projects. All of these, uh, particularly sort of the the two that you mentioned, uh, that class, which is sort of like not exactly a startup, but certainly like a self-contained app or useful thing for me, was always about scratching a, a learning itch. There's a very strong case to be made that I was able to be a better CTO because of them. Uh, specifically, I said it's it's uh, it's my job as a technology leader to sort of understand if there are shifts in the world. Uh, of technology we should be participating in. How am I gonna best understand if React Native is is right for for us? And somewhere in there, you have to actually try it and make an app. There's another one, uh, it's still ongoing, you know. Feel free to sign up, World, uh, called BuzzBack. Uh, Use buzzback.com. And it's for uh, call boxes. So you can, uh, you know, these people are still, buildings built in 2019, 2020, are still getting these, like, phone-based call boxes where you have to hit nine to let somebody in. And so it sort of appifies uh, all of that and you can create codes and whatnot. The point is, uh, I used that as a way to explore whether React Native uh, was was good or not. And, uh, you know, that then translated into me being quickly able to to implement that in TensorFlow. And so, you know, one of those uh, was about catching up in iOS development. Uh, Cakewalk app was about that. You know, I made the app in 2010. Um, and then, you know, we, we hired people and they continued making apps and I felt like I was behind. Uh, and so I picked a project that would allow me to, to catch up. Um, and Wonderland development where was, uh, uh, was the transit apps that I made, uh, even before TaskRabbit that, that just kept running. Uh, and, uh, you know, over time, the money went. Uh, eventually, didn't pay, even pay for the the $99 that Apple uh, charges. So, and uh, you know the old APIs and things like that. So I, I shut it down. But
0: in general, I think it's about staying fresh and and learning. If you if you've got that spark. Okay, so thank you so much, Brian, for being with us. And maybe as a last point, where can people find out more about Brian and and follow what you're up to next. Let's see. I'm not particularly
1: active, uh, but uh, Twitter, uh, B Leonard. Uh, we'll put that in the the notes, or however yes. that works. Uh, uh, my uh, my new company is called uh, Grouparoo. Uh, we're making marketing tools. Uh, one of these days, I'll get a a a thing where you can put your email address, and uh, we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get on 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 that. Uh, the the idea there. Actually, like you mentioned before, like my next thing is going to be a little bit more more focused, maybe B two B. We've we've realized that marketers uh, sort of have a have a tough tough go in life. Uh, particularly, they want to run a bunch of interesting campaigns, and they've got these goals they need to hit, uh, but they don't have the data that's going to allow them to be effective at that. Um, we've seen this uh, in TaskRabbit, We've seen this in all the other companies that. Uh, and my co-founders have been in and all the people we've talked to and so you know we're gonna we're gonna take a run at uh at uh solving that problem
0: you have a landing page already
1: sure yeah we, we've we uh we've got a little kangaroo on there uh it's called uh Grouparoo. uh
0: and uh yeah you can check that yeah, out wonderful. so thank you so much brian for being with us today and i'm looking forward to follow your journey